Welcome to the Ethnos New Brunswick Podcast. Now, before we get into our weekly conversation, I wanted to give you all the chance to hear about a local organization that we've recently started a partnership with. Buenos días, mi nombre es Francisco Valentín Barragán. Eh, mucho tiempo viví aquí en New Brunswick, pero ahora vivo en Somerset. Um, Dijo otra vez. Francisco Valentín. <laughs> My name is Francisco. ¿Cómo es? Valentín Barragán. Valentín Barragán. Barragán. I'm just trying to get it correct, guys. Come on. Um, y ¿cómo es? Viví aquí, pero vivo en Somerset. I live here, but I lived in Somerset for quite some time. Eh, desde hace 24 años yo hacía eh, desde que llegué a este país estaba ayudando a personas de donde yo vengo. Okay. Uh, for 24 years I've been helping um, people from where I come from. En el 2018, en septiembre del 2018, eh, fundamos Mil Sonrisas. In 2018 we funded a foundation for a thousand um, smiles or Mil Sonrisas. Eh, nuestra meta era llegar a mil y pensábamos que esa meta era muy alta y cuando la topáramos ya no había nada más que hacer. Hello. Okay. We're going to start again. We're going to start again. Este, ah, en septiembre del 2018. En septiembre de 2018. Eh, decidimos entre amigos, familiares y, y mis hermanos. We decided between my brothers, family, and other um, people that we know. Empezar mil sonrisas. To start a thousand smiles or mil sonrisas. Eh, pensamos que llegar a mil sonrisas era muchísimo. We, we thought that uh, getting to a thousand smiles was a lot. Y pensábamos que cuando llegáramos a mil ya era terminábamos. And we thought that once we got to a thousand we would finish. Pero en menos de un año llegamos a mil. But in less than a year we got to a thousand. Ahora estamos llegando a cinco mil. And now we're going to five thousand. Y estamos ayudando a niños and de bajos recursos. And we're helping uh, kids with low economic status. Con ropa. With clothes. Eh, zapatos. Shoes. Mochilas con útiles bags, de la escuela. With uh, scholar, uh, scholar supplies. Abuelitos enfermos y desamparados. Abuelitos. Abuelitos. Oh, grandpas, uh, people who are sick. Y que están solos. And people who are alone. No and they don't have family. Y enfermos de todo tipo de and also people from every sickness. Eh, países, we have them in different countries. Mexico, Mexico Salvador, Salvador, Guatemala, Guatemala Honduras, Honduras, Ecuador, Ecuador Costa Rica, Colombia. Costa Rica and Colombia. <laughs> y, y la forma de nosotros este, colectar la ayuda. And the way for, we, for us to connect the help. Eh, vendemos playeras. We sell t-shirts. Vendemos comidas en food, mi casa. And ha- food from home. Y, y traemos unos botecitos donde la gente, pedimos ayuda a la gente. And we also have little buckets where we ask help from people. ¿Puedo traerlo? Yeah. yeah. Um, he's going to bring it to show you guys. Yo traje uno. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. Ya tiene uno. So this is like one of the um, cans that they use to collect money or funds eh, for the organization. 
Sí, eh, lo, normalmente los forramos con fotos de niños, abuelos, todo. Y también tenemos un programa de hacer casas para abuelitos que están solos. We um put uh we put pictures of kids so that people know the, what our mission is and we're also constructing uh, homes for uh, elderly people uh, right now, right? Sí. Y y este qué más? What else? Eh, estamos contentos de estar aquí. We're happy to be here. Muchísimo gusto, la verdad nunca había estado eh, eh, con tanta diversidad. I haven't been with a lot of diversity before. Este es el mundo que queremos. This is the world we want. Donde no miramos el color. That we don't see color. Eh, cómo nos vestimos. How we dress. Yo estoy muy, muy, muy feliz de aquí. I'm really, really, really happy to be here. Eh, si hay el, thank you. <laughs> de las fotos. Yeah. yeah. Oh, eh, esa es la fundación. Está en, en, esta abuelita. Es la grandma. Eh, la hospitalizamos. They, estamos uh, dando. We hospitalized them. Sí. Los niños en eh, 6 de enero en México se celebra eh, Reyes Magos y compartimos. Este, normalmente vamos donde hay gente que en verdad lo necesita lejos de la ciudad. So these are one of the pictures where we uh, celebrate Three Kings Day in Mexico and we go to outskirts of the city and to like rural towns to help kids that aren't really helped. En Navidad entregamos en un estado de México 250 cenas. This was on Christmas uh, in, in Guerrero, Mexico, where we uh, gave 250 meals to families. Y, y 156 despensas. And then, ¿qué es despensa? Comida. Okay. 150, uh, ¿cómo es? 156. Yeah, de qué? Bolsas de comida. Oh, so 150 bags of food, 156 bags of food to um, families. También así lejos de donde hay mucha gente pobre. Again, uh, far away so where the where people that are poor are. Esto fue en Honduras, en Honduras, en, todos los niños trabajan en donde tiran basura, ellos recolectan para sobrevivir. Um, so this is in Honduras, where in Honduras uh, kids work at dumpsters or to pick out things that they could use to sell. Y, y ellos nos pedían una uh, cena navideña, regalos, ropa y nosotros les cumplimos el sueño. Uh, and then we gave them uh, uh, Christmas dinner, um, presents. Uh, and what we try to do is just uh, uh, make their dream come true. Este es el grupo. La semana pasada hoy está Doña Rosy y Esmeralda, que son parte del grupo. Este es en mi casa. Ahí vendemos comida los domingos para recolectar fondos. This is my house. This is my home. And what we do is we cook here, and we, in order to get funds to be able to support our organization. Thank you very much. So yeah, if you want to join us in our partnership with Emil Sonrisas, please do let us know. But without further ado, it's time for us to return to our weekly conversation. Um, as many of you know here at Ethnos, we believe this time of reflection and engagement with the teaching and scriptures of Jesus is an important time because all of us, as we try to be better people, as we try to make our city a better place, I think all of us realize that we can't do it with just our own resources. Uh, none of us is strong enough, good enough, loving enough. We're all very limited people. We need help 
from somewhere else, guidance from somewhere else. And so we believe here at Ethnos that it's so important to find guidance somewhere else, and we look to Jesus for our guidance. Now, you may not believe in Jesus, or you may have other ideas of how this guidance and help can come. Uh, that's totally awesome. We hope you can bring your thoughts and ideas to the table. This is an open place for us to discover things together. But for us, we like to take this time to look at the teachings of Jesus. Now, as we do that here this morning, um, we've been in this uh, new series called Everyday Spirituality. And it's a series to help us to think through yeah, well, if we want to have this happen, how can we get real and practical on an everyday level to actually experience this kind of change and transformation in our own lives and also in the lives of others? And so this morning, as we get going with this new series and, and process what might be needed, as usual, we're going to get started with a question to help us start thinking through what might be part of the process. And today's question is super practical, okay? Uh, we're going to ask you to think about this. If someone was able to get in your mind, in that kind of control center place in your mind, Tuesday at 4 p.m., what would they say controls you? What guides you? What directs you Tuesday at 4 p.m.? If you can't think of something Tuesday at 4, think about Saturday at 10. All right? Think about two minutes. Talk about it with your neighbors. And uh, we're going to get going with today's discussion with this question. Thanks. All right, so let's take a moment to think about this together. Um, who wants to share a little bit about Tuesday, 4 p.m.? What, what, what controls them at that time? Let's be honest, where this is a, hopefully a safe and honest place. So who wants to get us started here this morning? Yep. All right. Um, so me and Jupiter talked about how usually at this time on Tuesday, we're trying to kind of get into like a productive mode. Like she's trying to figure out next steps for like the rest of the evening and for the next day. And I'm usually trying to like kick it into gear for the evening to like get some work done. Okay. Um, doesn't always work out that way, but. <laughs> okay. So, so this idea of like just trying to be productive and like, man, I got it. I get some, some key work done. That's Tuesday at 4 p.m. What controls you? Okay, all right, all right. Let's give it up for them. Thanks for getting us started, yeah. Tuesday at 4 p.m., what kind of gets, what's, what's controlling you then? Yeah. Um, at 3.20 every um, weekday, I go pick up my grand, grandkids from school. Yeah. Then about 3, tw well, I'm fixing, their, I'm fixing their snack after school, yeah. like, and it ends like 4.20, something like that. Yeah. So... That's what Tuesday is. Okay, okay so let, let's give it up for Deborah. So, so you're talking about some, some certain family obligations, some things scheduled uh, that happen every day that kind of controls you and guides you at Tuesday 4 p.m.? Okay, what else? What happens Tuesday 4 p.m.? Yeah, let's go over here. I am controlled by exhaustion. I just want to get to the next coffee, food, bed. Yeah, that's, that's good. Let's give it up for Rana. Okay, yeah. How many of us can relate to Rana? 4 p.m., coffee, food, bed. Yeah, okay, I think, I think just, just survival yes. is needed at Tuesday at 4 p.m. Okay, what else? Tuesday at 4 p.m., yeah, yeah. So Tuesday at 4 p.m. is when I'm just now getting off of my internship in the city, and I'm just trying to get on a Q train to get back to Jersey. So 
I'm just trying to, you know, I'm very frantic, trying to walk really fast. Calves are hurting, everything. Yeah, the hustle and bustle of life. Let's give it up for Lauren. Yeah, definitely. Okay, okay. Maybe one more, one more question. Tuesday, 4 p.m., what controls you? What's guiding you Tuesday, 4 p.m.? One more person. Anybody else? Yeah, okay, okay, all right. Hey, hey, Daniel, yeah. Um, so we were sitting here, and we didn't really get the question at first, but then I, I explained it. And I think they were just thinking in a more practical sense. Yeah. And it's work. It's work? Yeah, yeah, work controls them. Work controls them. Yeah, yeah, let, let's give it up. Yeah, definitely work. Yeah. Work is something that controls us, yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting to think about this question, right? Because uh, there are all sorts of answers we give to this question. Some of us, uh, Tuesday at 4 p.m. Or, or whatever time in the day, sometimes we're controlled by those random obsessions, perhaps, that, 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 that don't mean much but mean something to us at that moment. Maybe that cup of coffee we need. Or uh, maybe you saw something on your Facebook or Instagram feed that's like, oh my goodness, I need to find out about this at that time, right? I, I remember this week, really random, I'm sorry if this is like totally getting us off track, but this week, for whatever reason, I found out that the lightweight UFC fighter for the women's division was a Chinese person. Did you know that? Uh, some 30-year-old Chinese woman holds like the UFC title for like featherweight. I was like, who in the world is this person? And I was like obsessed with like trying to figure out online like who this person was. Yeah, 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 random things like that, right? That happened. Now, of course, uh, there are some more serious things though, more significant things that also control us at these times of the day as well. Uh, it may be work, uh, work caused perhaps by a financial crisis or if work caused by anxiety or just work just trying to make ends meet for family and for self. Sometimes some of us have been wounded in life deeply, we've been hurt and the reality is much of our life, if not all of, us, uh, all of, our, li all of our life is kind of a response to that wound a response to that hurt. Others of us, of course, have, have voices in our head that, that we've grown up with, but maybe the voices of, of parents or kind of a, the pressure we put on ourselves. And if we were to be honest, Tuesday at 4 p.m., the reason why we're so driven or the reason why we're so anxious is because there's this voice that's been there for a long time telling us if you don't do this or that, you're nothing or you're not enough. Different things control us, don't they? Some of them are good. Some are innocent and fun. Some are deeply serious and have the potential to give us life or to destroy our lives. What controls you? Today, as we take a look at the scriptures of, of Jesus, we're going to be faced with a proposition, a proposal, that there is one thing that is worth, worth our time and worth our surrender to allow us to control us, or for us to allow to control us. There's one thing that's worth giving up and surrendering to. And that person, of course, is the person of Jesus. Now, we say this 
not to get all religious all of a sudden or all spiritual all of a sudden, but we say this in some real ways that we're going to think about because of this scripture that's presented to us. We're in this uh, scripture called Colossians. It was an ancient letter written some 2,000 years ago to people in the city of Colossae. And like we mentioned last week, these people in many ways were just like us. They lived, many of them, in a difficult situation financially and economically. They lived in a situation where there was something called the Roman Empire that kind of dominated the landscape. And this Roman Empire was an empire that said, hey, you know what? We can take care of you. Trust us. The reality, of course, was that many of them knew that that wasn't the case. The empire, although it helped those who had, many, had much, those who had very little were often oppressed by the empire, oppressed by the system. It's kind of like us in the United States, I think. The U.S., our society, this globalized technolo techno technological sort of world says, hey, trust the system, trust the, the economy, trust the military, trust the empire of the United States, and we'll take care of you. And while for some of us that does make sense because we have things, we're the privileged in this system. For many of us, we know it doesn't work. We've been burned. We've been oppressed. We've been hurt. And so these, these early people in Colossae knew that this Roman Empire thing wasn't really working out. But at the same time, as they were beginning to have spiritual experiences with Jesus, many people were saying, oh, you should also trust the religious establishment. There was a group of Jewish people who believed in Jesus at that time who said, hey, if you eat these certain foods, if you observe these certain holidays, if you show up to the temple and try to have these religious experiences, you'll have the good life. And the author of our books says, you know what? No, that's not the way either. And we kind of experience that too today. Some of us grew up in religious systems and religious cultures, in a Catholic church perhaps, in the African-American church, in the Asian church, or whatever it may be, in a temple, in a mosque. And it was presented to you that, hey, trust this religious system, and it'll go well with you. And maybe that worked for a little bit, but something was still lacking. That's where this 2,000-year-old document speaks to us, because they were going through the same thing. And so today, as our author begins to write about, well, how do we find a path where we can flourish emotionally, spiritually, relationally? The author, by the name of Paul, is going to get us thinking about how Jesus actually is that unique path. He's not doing it in a religious way. Like we mentioned, he's not going to say, hey, show up to the temple and do this, this, that, or other. He's going to get us thinking about the authority that Jesus has. He's going to get us thinking about the power Jesus has to help us. And he's going to talk about goals, how Jesus is the goal for us. Let's take a look at this excerpt here today. It's a very short excerpt. 
There's a lot going on. Let me read it. We'll try to figure out what it's actually saying, and then we'll take some time to have some discussion again. If you remember last week, um, we read this introduction to the letter. Uh, it was talking about uh, a number of things to help us understand uh, how we decide on what's a good path or not a good path for spirituality. That last week's excerpt ends by talking about how Jesus has done these amazing things for us, like forgiving us, opening up a new way for us, getting us out of a world that's broken and hurtful and into a new world of light and goodness. And so through that discussion, the author takes a pause and just sits on this person, Jesus. Who, Jesus, who is actually Jesus? And he says this, the Son, or Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He's before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. What is this actually trying to tell us? We could look at this excerpt in a number of different ways, and I'd encourage you to actually take this home and kind of mull over it, especially if you're of the opinion that, you know, Jesus was just a person. He's one of many options. That's totally cool. We're glad you're here to process that. This obviously is making a different claim, isn't it? It's, it's making some grand claims about Jesus. What, what is it actually trying to say? I want to focus on three parts of this that I think capture the gist of this passage. And we're going to take a look up here on the screen. Um, the first thing I think it's trying to say is that Jesus is a person who has authority. The authority, of course, is this question of who or what has the right to control us. It kind of relates to our opening question. And I say this because this opening sentence is all about an issue of authority, isn't it? The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. What you need to know is that idea of image and firstborn in this passage were used of the Roman, in the Roman Empire by Caesar himself. Caesar claimed to be the image of God. Caesar claimed to be the firstborn of all creation. And so our author here is just making it very clear, no, 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 it's not Caesar. It's not the empire. It's not technology today. It's not science today, although there's nothing wrong with science. It's not capitalism. It's, it's, it's not the empire that has the authority to control us. It's Jesus. Now, what's interesting, of course, again, our author Paul is writing to these people who are hearing voices from both sides. The word image and firstborn were also used by those Jewish spiritualists I talked about earlier. And they, in their mind, thought this concept of wisdom was actually the image of God. Wisdom was the firstborn of God's creations. If you look at the Jewish spiritual writings of the time, 
the same language is used of wisdom. And so our author Paul is saying, no, 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 no. It's this person, Jesus. He's the one who has authority, who has the right to control us. Now, of course, the question is why? Why, why would we give Jesus the right? Well, it turns out that as the passage goes, of course, that this author claims that, well, Jesus has a right because, number one, he, he created everything. And then number two, he also reconciled everything, right? You notice the second paragraph or the second half talks about not Jesus as a creator, but Jesus as the one who reconciles all things to himself. What are they talking about? They're talking about how Jesus was the one who came some 2,000 years ago into a broken and hurting and messed up world where our relationships were all broken, our relationship with each other, our relationship with God, our relationship with the environments, with society. Jesus came to make that all right. And so he's the one we should consider having authority in our lives. The second thing this passage is saying is that Jesus, of course, is not just the authority figure. He's also the source. He's who or what makes the good possible. Notice how in the first paragraph, it says that Jesus is the one who holds all things together. And in the second paragraph, it talks about how Jesus is the one, again, reconciling everything to himself. And he's done this specifically, notice that last sentence, by making peace through his blood shed on a cross. What is it talking about there? Well, in the Jewish mind, as these people, again, Paul was writing to, to combat the Jews and their ideas and the Romans and their ideas, in the Jewish mind, peace was the ideal state that we were meant to live in. For the Roman mind, peace was what Caesar promised to deliver with the empire. And again, our author is saying, no, 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 no. Jesus actually has brought the peace. And he's done it through the cross, through dying and rising again. Well, you know, we asked a question about authority to start off. Let's think about the second question. Who are what makes good, the good possible for you? When you think about your life, and you think about how you hope to have something good, how you hope to maybe have a good family or good relationships, or have a good career, or just good finances, you're tired of trying to make ends meet, you want to just be free of that economic burden, how do you think that good comes about? What's your source? Are you trusting the empire? Are you trusting yourself? Are you trusting maybe like, okay, like deal-making with God? Okay, God, if I do this, you should do that. If I show up to church every Sunday, surely that means you're going to take care of my finances. Are, are you trusting that kind of system? Or are you actually trusting in a real relationship with Jesus? I mean, this, this passage would get us thinking about that and processing that. And then the last thing, and then we'll turn it back to you to kind of process and discuss together. The last thing is the goal. Who or what is the good, the ultimate good we've been looking for? I think this excerpt makes a claim that Jesus is the actual good that we've been longing for and looking for 
all along. I mean, just think about the claims, right? Um, he, in the second paragraph, it talks about Jesus being the firstborn from the dead. This is the idea that uh, we are all going to die, and one day we will be resurrected to life again. We'll be resurrected to a peaceful, eternal life with God if we've trusted in Him. And so Jesus is the first one to do that, and, but He does that. Notice in that paragraph, uh, verse 18, He does that so He can have supremacy. And then it says this, why, why does He need to have supremacy? It says, for God was pleased to have the fullness of Himself dwell in Jesus. What, what is He talking about this? Why, why is He talking about this? In the Jewish mind, and also in the Roman mind, but definitely in the Jewish mind, God was supposed to fill the earth one day. The glory of God would fill the earth, and that would be the moment when we finally reach what we've been longing for all along. That, you know that perfect peace, that perfect sense of nirvana, that, that sense of like, I've arrived. Life is perfect. God was supposed to be the source of that. And God was the end of that. Meaning, God is supposed to be the end that we've all been longing for. And in this passage, it's saying actually Jesus is that. He's not just a means to an end. He's the end that we've been longing for. And again, I think this is so important to us, for us to think about, um, because as I think about the goals that we have, again, the goals for the good life, there's nothing wrong with wanting to have a good family, wanting to have good relationships, wanting a good career, wanting just to be free of financial burden. There's nothing wrong with that. But is God just a means to that end? Or do we believe that there's something even better than those things, that God is actually what we've been looking for, specifically Jesus. And so this series that we're on, again, is about everyday spirituality. It's about how you and I can find a flourishing spiritual, emotional, relational life in our everyday journey. And how do we make those decisions? How do we discern what's, what's the good path or a not-so-good path? Today, our author has claimed that the things we are looking for, the things we're giving ourselves over to, the source that we're trying to find strength in to make it through and find the good things, the author is saying all of that is actually Jesus. And so I'd love for you to turn to your neighbors. And for the next few minutes... Wrestle with that. What do you think? You agree? You disagree? If you think it might be the right path, what might it look like for you to have Jesus as the authority, the source, the goal? Let's take about two minutes. Talk it over, and we'll bring things to a close. So as we, um, as, we th as we think about this and process this today and 
and really hopefully think about this through the week and through this series. You know, again, I, I realize we're all, we all come from different places, and all of us uh, answer the question of who has authority, who has, what's the source, what's our goal. You, you know, we all answer that differently. And today, again, our author has presented uh, an idea, uh, has given us a proposal, uh, made a claim that there's a good path waiting for us uh, down this path of Jesus. And again, but I, I realize we're, we're, we're in different places. And so how might we respond to this here today as we think about where we are and, and, and what, we're, what we're going through, how we answer these questions? Um, I, I want to just share a couple of thoughts for us this morning as we bring things to a close. Number one, um, as I think about how these original author, uh, these original recipients some 2,000 years ago received this message, uh, I'm reminded that they, much like you and I, uh, were on a journey. Uh, they didn't get things right away. They didn't agree with things right away. They, they wrestled with ideas. They wrestled with thoughts. If you, if you look at how this Jesus movement started, you'll realize that people, people reflected quite a bit on the journey. And so I want to encourage us, if we you know, find things in this discussion this morning that we don't agree with, but might be open to, I want to encourage us to join in that journey, to explore, to think through and ponder who this Jesus person is and consider discovering or getting on that discovery process of who he might be. I'm not, notice what I'm saying, right? I'm not saying come to ethnos. I'm not saying go to church or do these religious things. I'm saying try to figure out this person. And that, because that's what we're presented with, right? We're presented with a person, not a system. Uh, this, the second thing I'd want to say is this. Uh, you'll notice that this this excerpt today is very, like, very um, grand in how it discusses and describes Jesus, right? Like, it's kind of like, it uses language that we're just not ever normally used to. And the picture we get is like, oh my goodness, Jesus isn't just this thing or historical figure. It's like, it paints this huge picture of Jesus. And I think what it's meant to do is to help us not only understand who he is, but also to help us worship him and open up to saying, wow, you're great, you're worthy of, you're, you're just bigger than I thought you were, and wow, I should probably, like, bow before you and worship. Again, we may not be there today, we, we may not agree with this picture, but if, if, again, there's this inkling that, my goodness, this is presenting something real, perhaps our response here this morning might be worship. Worship through a song that we're about to sing. Worship just kind of in the quietness of your own heart, just saying, wow, Jesus, you're, you are bigger than I could ever imagine. I, I just give myself to you. I, I say yes to that. I, I, I say thank you. I say, wow, you're glorious. And then the third response, as I look at this, you know, it's interesting that the last description of Jesus in the second paragraph here is that Jesus is reconciling the world, right? Everything, he's making everything right. He's bringing peace. And then it specifically says he's, he's brought that peace by the shedding of his blood. Again, it's an, a reference, of course, to his work on the cross, dying on that cross. And it's really fascinating that, you know, all of that work would be described as happening at that cross. 
But it is what Jesus himself told us when he was here in his own teaching, and then all the people who wrote about Jesus, that is what they say, that the cross was and is that place where something mysterious and supernatural and universal happens, where the world somehow is made right because of Jesus taking on the, the brokenness of the world and taking the consequences of that brokenness and being broken himself and then renewed and rising from the dead again so that the world could go through its own process of being renewed through Jesus taking our brokenness away for us. Thank you for joining us once again. And if you'd like to continue this conversation, please come visit us in person. Our community comes together every Sunday morning at 10.30 in the Stress Factory Comedy Club in downtown New Brunswick. And if you can't make it there, you can also find us online, either through our website, ethnosmb.com, or on Facebook at ethnosnb. In the meantime, have a blessed week. Bye-bye.